We're back, guys. All my crispy critters. Episode 5, coming at you live. This is the nickel episode, all right? It's the nickel episode. And we all know that nickel is the only coin that's made out of pure metal, right? Because your magnets stick to your nickel. We learned this in elementary school, all right? So that means episode 5 has to go hard. Metaphor, bars. You feel me? I got my tea with me so I can clear my throat. Giving you guys the crisp, clean speeches. Uh, Episode 5. As I talked on episode 4, if you haven't listened to episode 4, go back. Listen to it, please. Every last listen, every last view. That helps out the podcast, baby. So, episode 5, I had mentioned that uh, this episode... Um, get dedicating to my father, to my late father. This is his birthday. Now, I know I talked about on the fourth episode that it was his anniversary of his death. And that's because he passed away uh, five days before his 62nd birthday. So this episode is the official dedication to him. All right. Now, um, we're going to get into uh, my relationship with my father and so on and so forth. Towards the end of the episode, uh, we're going to start this thing off a little more lighthearted because when you talk about somebody who's passed in your life, you know, even if it's on your podcast and you're trying to be entertaining and humorous, uh, uh, it could slow down the the process of the podcast. So I want you guys to ride on this roller coaster of emotions with me today. All right. I want to start up going tink, 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 and then go to the hard points in my life, all right? This is the easy stuff. Going up is the easy part, right? So, um, now, first thing is, I don't know if you guys watch anime. I love anime, right? And if you don't like anime, that's fine. I understand, okay? If you're an anime person, if you're not an anime person, this segment is still for you because I'm going to break it down in the simplest of ways, all right? Now, for people who watch anime, for people who don't, there's a show called Attack on Titan, all right? And pretty much the show is about uh, uh, a world where, I mean, it's Earth, but it's uh, a world where giant, monstrous, humanoid, human-like creatures, or they're human, they're titans, and they're kind of uh, modified giants, I put it like that, all right? They're titans. And they eat people. They're cannibal. They're cannibalists, you know. So this show is based around these entities that are almost wild. Most of them. Most of them are like predators. Just the moment they see people, unconsciously, I mean, instant, instinctively, go to eat them, right? And uh, then there's a few that have cognitive abilities, like they're ordinary people, right? And this this show, Attack on Titan, is just one of the greatest animes of all time. And even if you don't like animes, the storyline, the the graphics, the the action, the build up, you'll you'll still love this show. Even if you don't like anime, it's in English and in Japanese. So if you don't like reading subtitles, you can watch this show. And I'm telling you, young or old, this show is cracking. All right, Attack on Titan, baby. Season four just started, episode one, and I swear to y'all i swear to y'all it was one of the greatest animated 
sequences, episodes I've ever seen. Just the way they can build up and how they get it cracking, man. I don't even want to get into it anymore. I want you to go watch it. Attack on Titan. Uh, I I believe these kind of things, mm, like art, animation, uh, movies, uh, uh, you know, movies with real actors, non-animation, just any type of artistic thing, we we look at or listen to. You know, I I think it broadens our artistry ourselves. You know, Broad, broadens an artistry. In your day-to-day lives, you know, because I believe art is all around us. Not to get too cheesy, corny, but I believe everything is art. You go into your nine to five, that's the art of working a job. <laughs> that's the art of of labor, art of office work, you know. If you're a rapper, we all know about that. Singer, dancer, painter, whatever. I mean, there's a parent, the art of parenting. So I I believe all of life is a form of art and when you take in all these different contents different content to your psyche i believe subconsciously it makes you a more refined artist yourself that's how i wanted to put it, it took me forever mm. yeah i took that sip too asmr you're getting a podcast and asmr at the same time at the same damn time so um as I was saying, though, this this is um, episode five, right? It's the nickel episode, and we're going to go hard, all right? So what I'm going to go hard on right now is the AirPod Maxes. What the hell is this shit? Now, I never really subscribed to the theory that Apple just takes the same shit, puts a new marketing scheme behind it, and re-releases it for a jacked-up price. I was like, you know, I mean, Apple's a good company. It comes out with some good, some good stuff. But some AirPod Maxes? They were already Bluetooth over-the-head <laughs> headphones. There's been Bluetooth over-the-head headphones. Why come out with this? Just to get our, our, our money? Just to get our hard earned money $550 for some AirPod Maxes to go over your head man just go get some go to Walmart they got like $40 $50 skull candies in there <laughs> go get the skull candies man for real don't get those AirPod Maxes I mean I'm not trying to slander them but come on that money <laughs> You buy some stock or something like that. Mm. Put it in a bank or something. I don't. I don't care if you bought some shoes. That'd be better than buying these AirPod Maxes, man. You get the AirPod Maxes. Okay, that's cool. You know, I, I I'm telling you though, it would it just doesn't seem like a good decision. But I ain't gonna tell you how to live your life. Live your life. I'm just trying to give you some advice preach sometimes i rhyme when i talk why do i do it because i always wanted to be a rapper low-key baby all right i had a music career it's career it's career, it's career. 
<laughs> OMG. So, um, another thing I'm going to go hard on. I'm going to go hard on this motherfucker. Another thing I'm going to go hard on is the is the movie franchise Ice Age, baby. Ice Age. I didn't realize how good those fucking movies were. <laughs> uh, I mean, I haven't really watched them since I was a kid. And now that I have kids, I, sh- I show them the movie Ice Age, you know. Um, and the first movie was, was a fucking hitter. It was good, man. It was good. Stupid freaking mammoth and the and the sloth and the saber toothed tiger. And they trying to they're trying to uh the saber toothed tiger and his clan were trying to freaking get a baby from a human clan for some reason. I forgot the the motive. Alright? Because I'm in and out of these bitches now. <laughs> I turn it on for my kids and I'm in and out and I'm in and out these goddamn movies and shows. Probably trying to prepare for the extra crispy podcast for all my crispy critters out there, alright? So I forget their motive, but long story short, the humans, the mother grabs the baby, she runs away, the males, they they fight off the tigers, the mom jumps into the freezing cold water, goes down a waterfall, the mammoth and the sloth find her at the bottom, <laughs> she hands the freaking mammoth her baby, <laughs> like there was some type of mystic bond between her and the mammoth, and then the mammoth talks. Not to her, but to the sloth. And they look, and they grab the baby. The mom's gone. Why wouldn't he just grab the mom with the baby in her hand and pull out the water? I don't know. But long story short, those movies are pretty good. There's a lot of uh, underlying adult theme topics and rhetoric that go on in the in the in the movie, you know, in the franchise. I mean, I've watched several of these movies now. Um, and I mean, are they subliminally fucking with us and our children? Probably. Does it do something to show these things? Like one of the sloths, one the 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 male sloth said the one of the main characters, he's like in a hot tub, you know, trying to like show off, use the baby to get him some like sloth bitches, you know, <laughs> and. uh one of them was uh was thick thistle she was stacked i'm like sit over here in the in the jacuzzi with some stacked ass thick ass sloths what the fuck <laughs> and there's other there's other sequences of uh more adult humor in there and and uh i don't know it's like transgender sequences which you know it's all good man live your life but does that have an effect on children i don't know i don't know let me rephrase what i said not that i'm gonna cut this out it wasn't trans sequences rather i should say it was men in drag sequences you know let me be proper and give it its proper terms right um, but that's what that's what we all about. The Extra Crazy Podcast, you know. You can double down, rework what you said, have it coming out proper. Um, but yeah, the movie overall, pretty damn good. Pretty damn the movie franchise, pretty damn good. I think there's like five or six of them. Anyways, <clears throat> uh, 
And I recently uh, got a new phone. Got the iPhone 12 Max. 12 Pro Max. All right. So if you're watching this right now, well, I got two angles right now. But if you're watching this on this angle, on this camera, that's the Pro Max. Hopefully it comes out crispy clean. Hopefully it comes out crispy clean because I got it for a reason. I got it so my creators can see me in the best quality I can afford. All right. Um, and I was looking for a phone case, you know. I ordered mine because I, I got mine's gold and my extra. Yeah, that's why it's called X Crispy Bitch. <laughs> I got mine's gold and um, they didn't have that at the store. So they had to order it and send it to my house. And I didn't buy a case because I'm like, ah, it's going to take a minute. They told me it's going to take two weeks. It took like four days. And I don't have a case for it. So I'm being extra careful with it. Um, and I was looking for cases on Amazon, seeing which ones I want. I kind of want a wallet case just so I don't have to carry a wallet. I'm not thinking about two things that I really got to focus on remembering to bring with me because I lose my shit all the time. And uh, I was looking at cases and, you know, I wanted to get like a case, um, wallet case with a little bit of a uh, anime theme or maybe Venom or maybe a Kobe Bryant, you know. And um, I came across one case that I liked and it was an anime theme case it was of an anime character uh the anime character was is Ryuk from a re- another really good anime show called Death Note right for all my people who watch anime and for the people who don't listen so Ryuk is a uh Shinigami hope I pronounced that right and that's pretty much a Japanese Grim Reaper and in the show Death Note he is a bored Grim Reaper, Shimigami, and uh, he's looking to give people a book that you can write somebody's name. If you could think of their face and write their name down, they'll die. And you can write down when and where and how they die, right? Really good show, really good show, crazy, crazy spins and twists in it. That's another one I suggest you watch, even if you don't like anime. That's how good this show is. The it's just so many twists, so much suspense. It's 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 cracking. All right. So, anyways, Ryuk is a Shimigami, the Shimigami who gives you the Death Note in the show, and it, he's a pretty crazy looking character, as you'll see. As I put the, I'll put the picture in the video. If you're listening to the video, see this. If you're just listening to the audio, look him up, Ryuk. But it was a sick wallet case, iPhone Pro Max Ryuk. But I'm like thinking to myself, you know what? I don't know if I want to get the Grim Reaper on my phone. <laughs> I'd be carrying around a Grim Reaper on my phone, okay? I don't care how cool the character looks. Sometimes we got to think about what the things we are dealing with are representing, right? And I just don't want uh, death on my phone. Like representing my phone. You know, I don't know. I, I call me crazy, right? A lot of us, uh, color people are into the mystics and the spirituals, you know what I'm saying? And, and, uh, I, I can't lie to you. It's genetic memory or something, man. It's just, it's just in my bones. You know, you gotta, you gotta speak life, live life, enjoy it, appreciate it. You feel me? But it's a really good show though. The show's really good, but I ain't gonna be carrying it on my dang phone. All right. I'll tell you that. Character, sick looking character. Looks way doper than a traditional Grim Reaper. Ryu? Pfft. Japanese people know how to do it, man. 
They got some imagination. Facts. Check that show out for sure. Let me take a sip of my tea real quick. ASMR. ASMR. All righty then. ASMR. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, I was uh, I was on the internet on Wikipedia looking up some bullshit. And, um, you know, I don't stumble upon, like, one-hit wonders, right? Like, they had a list of one-hit wonders, you know. And I was going down a list, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, seeing how many I recognize. Got to the 80s and um, recognized one. I mean, I don't know why I started this one, but... Uh, it's that one song. Um, we we don't have no terrible, terrible. We don't have to no terrible. We don't have to take our clothes off. You know that song. So that guy, you know his name, who created that song was Jermaine Stewart. And um, you know I just clicked on the song, and there's all these links, you know, and I clicked on the artist and just kind of read his profile and stuff like that, and. Uh, pretty interesting storyline, you know, um, very, very tragic. Um, Jermaine Stewart died of HIV, um, died from, Jermaine Stewart died from AIDS-related liver cancer. There you go. Jermaine Stewart died from AIDS-related liver cancer at 39. And it's a really tragic story of a very talented guy, um, he was a great dancer. I was watching some of his videos. Great dancer, great singer. Kind of sounded like a little bit of a mixture of Telvin Coleman and Michael Jackson. Telvin Campbell, sorry. <laughs> Telvin Coleman's a football player. I always do that. Telvin Campbell. Telvin Campbell and Michael Jackson. And, um, you know, had that hit. He first got discovered on Soul Train as a dancer. In the late 70s or early 80s, uh, he made a an album and did okay. Then he had that, that hit single, We don't have to take our clothes off. We have to party all night. That song. Um, and then his next albums, they did okay. Then, then after that, you know, was, they pretty much weren't charting. And at that time, there wasn't like a following you could have on social media, right? So if you weren't making hits that were on the charts, you pretty much your music was going into obscurity. And, um, but he, he, he remained talented through the whole time, you know, very talented artists, all the stuff I was seeing and stuff like that. But, you know, um, I guess he contracted HIV. Uh, he was homosexual and, uh, I guess he contracted HIV, and which is very unfortunate, very, very unfortunate um, that a lot of people in that community and across the world died from HIV and AIDS through that span of time between, you know, the 70s, 80s, 90s, very few probably before the 80s, but <clears throat> the 80s and 90s was a pandemic and, um, you know, rest in peace to all, all the people who lost their lives in that and to Jermaine Stewart, but um you know, Jermaine Stewart uh, was gay, and I don't know if this played a part of anything like that. I mean, I was reading comments on this little, like, bio pic thing I saw on YouTube about him, and so when he was, when he died, uh, he didn't even have a tombstone. He didn't have a grave marking. He was, he was, he was in a, buried in an unmarked grave. It's very sad for 17 years until um, 2014 
I believe his mother um, was able to place a tombstone on his gravesite. And he, I was reading comments in the YouTube video, which is so dumb. You know, one person was saying uh, shame on his family, you know, putting the narrative out there that they didn't give him a marked grave because he was gay, you know, and that they weren't supporting him during his uh, last years dealing with HIV because of the stigma and that he and because he was gay, you know. And I don't even know if that narrative is true. I'm just I'm, this is what I read on on YouTube. You know, uh, the facts are, though, unfortunately, he was buried in an unmarked grave for 17 years. And maybe he, I don't know, uh, maybe his mom couldn't afford a tombstone, uh, which is very sad, very sad to think of that being a parent, you know, losing a child. I mean, he was 39, but that's always going to be somebody's child. And if you had a bury them, not even be able to give them a proper burial, which is the first part of the first half of that is just even so tragic. Uh, but you know, they said he bought his mama house. I was reading some comments and people were saying that they knew him and stuff like that. And they said he bought his mama house. And, um, you know, um, they said his sister was nice, very nice. So I don't know if, there, if the narrative that his family didn't care about him, didn't take care of him is true. But it seemed like he had a decent relationship with his family. But who knows, right? I don't know their personal life. It'd be great to see people reach out and stuff like that and maybe make some type of documentary about this guy because he was a pretty talented artist, man. And and it's very unfortunate. I think in this day and age, he would be able to thrive with the fan base because of social media and so on and so forth. But yeah, so that's just an interesting dude I, I came across, you know, going around Wikipedia and stuff uh, this past week. Guys, check him out. Jeremy Studer, listen to his music, especially... Especially the hit, we have to take our clothes off. <laughs> oh, wrong. that's the gym class heroes one. <laughs> uh, they sampled it. Anyways, um, while I was also scamming through the internet and stuff like that, I seen that there's a new Selena biopic, you know, like a series on Netflix. So that seems pretty interesting. It's kind of strange though, biopics, like remaking them because... When you make them the first time, it's like how many people can you accept as Selena psychologically, right? There's Selena, and then there's Jennifer Lopez. And then now we got to accept another person as the identity of Selena in our head while we're watching this film. That's why the, that's why if she could pull it off and, it's, and she does a good job, kudos, because that's some good acting work to make us forget about Jennifer Lopez and the real Selena in your portrayal trying to... Um, Man, what's the word I'm looking for here? Anyways, trying to be Selena and make us believe that you're Selena, right? And that's why I was going to say, though, that's why when somebody does the Joker and they do good, that's how you know it's a great acting job. Because each Joker, we go into the next Joker movie and we forget about the other Joker for those moments of watching that movie, you know? And each Joker has been incredible. So... Uh, maybe Selena could be that same person, even though she's not fictional like the Joker is, but maybe she could be a person that is executed well every time she's portrayed in a film or biopic. 
Uh, who's your guys' favorite Joker? Woo! I don't know. Is there's there's it's it's different. Jack Nicholson was playing from a long time ago. Uh, so another guy before him, in uh, I think the TV show Batman. But I've seen Nicholson's really good, but it's a different time. <clears throat> Heath Ledger, his was tremendous. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix was tremendous. Um, the difference in that is that Joaquin Phoenix had a whole movie dedicated to him where he was the main character and really got a lot of screen time to take us through that process of of getting to know and, and hypnotized by his character. Heath Ledger had to do it in a more of a shorter screen time, more action-y. Um, his character was more, how can I say... More cart comic bookish, how you would you how they set the bar for a a superhero movie. You know, Joaquin Phoenix was more seemed more like a like a real person, as in that this can happen in reality. If that Joker happened, if Heath Ledger's Joker happened in reality, that's like Donald Trump becoming president. <laughs> it just that there's a person like this. <laughs> In this position, it it, it kind of like it blows your mind, you know. He would definitely be the number one person trending across the world. Joaquin Phoenix now, in, instead is a guy who commits these horrors and probably has 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh man. But yeah, so this is just those are just the, the content, all the content I was is coming across this past few days. ASMR. Um, but now let's get into the dedication for my father and um, reminiscing on my life and relationship with him. Because my dad had me when he was 39 years old. He was almost 40 years old, about a month away. Which means that he lived a life a long period of time before I was even born. He lived life 39 years before I was born. And just how I was talking about Jermaine Stewart, who died at 39 years, you know? So 39 years, although it's still young, you're now seasoned. People don't look at you with that youthful early 20s bounce anymore late teenage 18 19 bounce anymore you know that's that's officially starting to draw out of you you're going into the next phase in your life and so my dad had me as a as a as a mature man and um you know my earliest memories of my father you know if i can think of my earliest memories well the first one you know is when I was two years old, I fell off his shoulders. I was reaching for the top of the roof, like like um like the roof had a different level from the living room in the kitchen, 
and you know he had me like this on his shoulders if you're looking at the at the video you can see me having a child on my shoulders holding his legs and when i went to reach up to touch the top of the the roof the ceiling um i guess he had let go and i fell backwards I remember when I, and this is these are the memories that I have, right? If I was two years old, I know people go, "How you how you remember that?" But these are the memories that I have. Okay, uh, I remember hearing a. That's I don't know why. That's how it plays back in my head, and I feel like when I think of that, I will I take myself back there, you know, um, and that's like my earliest memory I have. Period, you know, and 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 you know my parents being hysterical, and I was actually fine, luckily, but. My dad felt so bad. My mom was so mad at him. A neighbor of ours was a nurse next door. I guess she came and checked me out, and I seemed okay not to have a concussion. So, you know, God was on our side that day. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, my dad felt really bad about that. He always he always would uh, emphasize that whenever we would talk about the story. Um, and now me having children of myself, let me tell you, I dropped them a couple times. Maybe not from that high, but when you when you accidentally hurt your children, you feel terrible. Uh, and, 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 you know, one of my other earliest memories, I can remember specifically, uh, discovering heartbeat. I I remember discovering my dad's heartbeat and listening to his chest and everything like that. And, you know, uh, asking him what that was and, and, you know, bits and pieces of the memory, but, you know, him showing him, you know, touching my chest, telling me, you know, it's mine and kind of feeling mine and then listening to his and, you know, that clicking in my head and, and never forgetting that, that everybody has a heartbeat type of, you know, I mean, three years old, three or four years old, you know, when you learn things for the first time, things like that, sometimes you don't remember learning those things. So, but I can, I can recall that specific moment. Why do those things link into your brain forever? Who knows? That's strange, right? Some, with some things, like, I don't remember when I learned what a brain was. <laughs> I remember when I learned what a heartbeat is. Um, and then uh, also, I remember uh, him picking me up from elementary school sometimes. And, you know, sometimes he was late. It's understandable. Black father. I'm sure I'm going to be late at some of my kids' uh, pickup times. <laughs> Dad, I told you the game was at three. Get that three, four. I'm sorry, son. Dad, I only played the first half of the preseason. Well, at least you're on A squad, nigga. No, I'm just kidding. Hopefully, though, right? Anyways, um, I was on B. <laughs> but, um, you know, my dad picked me up late sometimes, you know. But when he when he would get me, he would talk to all the security and the teachers and lunch ladies. And everybody knew my dad to school. Uh, and, you know, I'd be in the car and we'd ride. And I remember one time um, me telling my dad about how what I learned in science at school relates to why Dragon Ball Z characters, Harris turns blonde, Super Saiyans turn blonde when they go Super Saiyan, you know, I was like, in the, in the electricity, and, the, and that's why, and total kid logic, and I know that it didn't mean shit, and my dad was just acting like, oh, wow, like, like I was making sense. <laughs> sometimes you just don't want to crush your children like that. I, I, my son sometimes too, and I'm just like, yeah, oh, you know, and you know, I try to I try to refine what he's saying, but I was I had so much conviction in thinking that I knew how Super Saiyan worked. <laughs> I'm sure my dad didn't want to crush me about it. 
And, you know, I, I also recall in elementary school, there was these kids that were fighting at, at school. I might have been in fourth grade. And uh, my dad, you know, picked me up and, and he saw them fighting uh, towards the back. And then, like, I'm like, Dad, don't go, don't go do anything. Don't go do anything, you know. Stupid kid logic. And, you know, he parks the car and he gets out. There's no parents around. He runs to the kids and, you know, stops them from fighting. And I start sinking down in my seat, like, hoping nobody sees me because it was my classmates. And, you know, like, feeling embarrassed, like, oh, you know, like, these kids are cool because they're fighting, you know. But in reality, my dad did the right thing because these kids are fucking dumbasses for fighting. <laughs> but, you know, it took me some years to <laughs> uh, see the see see his side of it. Um, and I, I, uh, I also remember when I got suspended for the first time, uh, sixth grade, I brought a, I bought a, a stink bomb, a stink bomb from, uh, the glass ones from like the, the ice cream man or something like that. I don't know, a dollar fifty or something like that. Scrounged up some change and I took it to school and I remember I was like, I didn't want to break it. I didn't want to be the one who, who set it off in class, but I, so I got, a couple guys together to put the plan together and and i would have the thing and then i would drop it on the ground and then somebody would step on it and then obviously so we did that and it stank up the class and um <laughs> and i don't know somebody told on somebody and they said they got it from me everybody's snitching <laughs> bunch of snitches um and i remember our teacher well we got suspended for like a day or two and i remember thinking i was in so much trouble and stuff like that and my dad came to get me and I was like super nervous you know palms sweating wanting to cry and shit like that in the principal's office and um but I don't think I did I was a real G already anyways uh and my dad you know picks me up and you know gives me a lecture about this and that and people can be allergic and da 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 and you never know and um I'm like oh, okay and then he, I'm like where are we going you know like and we end up like going to like i don't know like a thrift store with my grandma or something like that uh which would be at the time his mother-in-law and uh because we're in california my his mother my other grandma uh she lived in florida where he was from and um so we're in the thrift store and like you know i'm still like kind of like on my p's and q's you know because i just got suspended from school and I'm thinking to myself, like, this is what my dad does when I'm at school <laughs> on his days off or something. And, um, you know, I see some little clay beagle statue thing, you know, and I'm like, Dad, can I have it? It's only a dollar. And he's like, yeah, sure. And I remember thinking, like, oh, my God, like, I wanted this so bad. And my dad got it for me, even though I got suspended, you know. And, I, and that kind of, like, opened up my mind towards uh, the computer the compassion my dad had for me, you know? Cause I don't know how my face looked getting in trouble. Obviously I was the person in the body, you know, maybe I looked very, very, very sad and remorseful. I'll tell you what, I never did it again. I mean, I got in trouble at school more, but I never set off a stink bomb ever again or anything chemical related. And <laughs> And yeah, he got me that beagle and I was just I was super stoked and honestly my dad didn't really get too mad about me getting suspended for a stink bomb, but you know, hindsight's not a big deal. Uh but we used to get into it when I started getting into high school and junior high when I would ditch school and get in trouble and I remember I lost I missed the CIF finals Cypress versus um 
damn, I think it's Pacifica in 2007 when I was a sophomore. Yeah, 2007, maybe 2006. And I did school that day and like everybody went to the game and all my friends were like, come on, Troy. Da, da, and I and I got in trouble for ditch school that day and, and and I asked my dad and my dad's like, you know what? You didn't go to school. You're not going to that game. <laughs> I was so upset. <laughs> and I guess the next day everybody told me it was a crazy ass game and it was raining and Cypress won by some miraculous fumble touchdown thing at the last minute or some shit like that. And everybody ran on the field and I'm like, what <laughs> crazy ass game happened at my school and CIF championship. And I fucking didn't get to go cause I was ditching consequences. I learned about it that day. Motherfucker. Rizzle. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, I got I got in a lot of trouble in high school, but I had a couple highlight moments, you know, uh, joining the football team my freshman year and making grades and stuff like that and having a decent, decent grades my freshman year. And I remember my dad being very happy about that. And uh, I ended up getting kicked out of Cyprus after my sophomore year, went to, to, to a continuation school my junior year, which my dad was not happy about that. And so he changed his schedule, his work schedule to, to take me to school every day. And I had to go to school at 7 a.m. And uh, I got out at 11. But the thing was, we had no breaks. Other than Christmas, there was no spring break and there was no summer. You went to school all year round until you made your credits. And that enabled me to graduate on time, 2010 in June. I never got to go back to regular high school, though, and uh, unfortunately. But what that school did teach me more than anything was patience because those classes were so boring and going to school for two years straight, I had to have so much patience not to go crazy. I Kids were going crazy in there, man. There was a lot of kids who were troubled and learning disabilities and criminals and stuff like that or juvenile juvenile criminals. And, uh, but there were a lot, a lot of, most of them were cool. And, you know, I was just a funny guy trying to crack jokes and stuff like that and, me and my friend Eddie and da 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 da, we were the coolest kids in there. You know, no offense, but you know, just you know, just cracking jokes. Eddie had a whip already at like sixteen, so I was rolling with him. You know, feeling like the shit. Feeling, but what I was really was was uh, a scrub by TLC's definition. Hanging out the back sometime with the bum 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 bum. You guys know the fucking part. <laughs> I always forget lyrics on this on the spot. I always forget lyrics. You know, hanging out the best friends ride, trying to holler at me. I don't, you know how the fucking song goes. Shit went quadruple platinum or something like that. Diamond or something. Anyways, um, yeah, so those are my remainders of my high school. And then, you know, going into early adulthood, you know, getting my first job. And my dad was super stoked about that, obviously, because his big thing was for me to get a J-O-B and get my money. You know, he always tell me, don't be a statistic and uh work hard he worked hard for over 30 years at octaa it's the transit bus company the the government local city transit bus company for orange county and um so that's what i did i worked full-time and stuff like that for the moment i turned 18 or no not the moment i turned 18 i took that summer off of graduating high school and then i got a job my first job not very one um and you know, oh, I remember when my when we used to like to go to the dog pound. Me and my dad just look at dogs. Of course, 
This is when I was from any time, any point in my life. We used to do this for years, right? We used to go to the Orange County Animal Shelter all the time. Sometimes we would go to different dog pounds or different pet stores and stuff like that and just look at dogs because I love to look at dogs and I guess he liked to look at dogs too. And occasionally we would adopt them or purchase them. And occasionally we'd get rid of them. <laughs> Especially if they were fucking dumbasses and shit on the carpet or something like that or did this and that or chewed up shit. <laughs> but one time after my parents divorce uh he normally would get dogs from the dog pound or cheap dogs from the pet store right but when my parents got divorced i don't know if he felt bad but we went to the pet store this time and he told me to pick out any dog i wanted any dog you know and i was like finally i get to pick out the dog you know because before that i mean i was 12 years old before that he would always pick out the dog you know he wouldn't let make a let a kid make a decision like that but anyways, he let me pick out the dog, and and I picked out this Italian greyhound I saw in, in in the front display. You know, like you know, like the the Kraken dogs, the, the really the ones that are really expensive and cute. They always put in the front display and shit to play with. And you know, I wanted this specific one that I saw because there was a couple of them, and I wanted the one that had like uh it had like a two tone color and a black nose and you know uh white on the forearm with the black on the shoulder and all kinds of stuff like that. You know, the color was the color scheme was cracking you know and so we bought the dog the dog was like eleven hundred dollars eleven hundred italian greyhound it was a puppy maybe like i almost say six weeks old brand new like the, the the right when you could barely sell them you know and i remember uh we took the, the dog home we bought it in orange county at the time we were living in menifee we drove all the way back to to menifee and uh we might have bought them in riverside riverside or orange county but anyways we drove back to menifee and at the time, I had a big backyard and stuff like that. And me and this dog, I, for the whole rest of the night, I was just trying to teach the dog how to run. <laughs> it was an Italian greyhound, but it was a, such a young puppy, he didn't know how to run yet. You know, it would run for a little bit and fall and da da da. And I swear, by the next week, it was going. It was like running 10 times the speed of any dog you've seen, you know? And an Italian greyhound is a small greyhound, it's not a, it's not a tall greyhound. It's, it's like the miniature version of a greyhound. And it just, it was like, you know, I love that dog and everything like that. And mission accomplished if he thought that dog would come for me because it very, it did for a long time. Uh, and um, I named the dog Pinky. I don't remember exactly why I named the dog Pinky. Uh, I remember I was running through names in my head, like, you know, his name. Blah, blah, blah. And I, the, the two thoughts that I think I had was that at the time the dog kind of had like a pink stomach, you know, puppies have a little bit less thickness of the fur there kind of like a pink little belly-ish and also because the dog kind of looked like pinky from pinky in the brain kind of looked like a rat <laughs> but it was super cute you know um and so i named the dog pinky and uh you know we had pinky for years and you know my dad really didn't like pinky because my, pinky was a dumbass dog and shit and piss maybe i didn't take care of her well i didn't maybe i didn't teach her obedience well enough or whatever because it was my dog and mostly she was with me and it was supposed to be my responsibility but <laughs> you know i was a 12 years old freaking dummy you know just barely learning responsibilities you know but i guess this is why parents do things for their kids to set them off on the journey to try to learn how to get you gotta start off you gotta start your kids off somewhere with responsibility right and um you know, uh, he didn't like that dog, but he never got rid of it because he paid so much money for it, you know, 
And uh, unfortunately, um, when my dad got sick, uh, we went back to Florida <clears throat> for the last three months of his life, you know, because he was pretty much terminal at a certain point. And, you know, I remember when I found out that he had the spot on his tumor, I was well, I remember when he told me that it was bad, right? And I was in the shower. I answered my phone. He told me, you know, the doctor's report and stuff like that. And the chances and the likeliness and this and that. And it's, it's crazy because you go from one day of a regular day. And maybe he already knew these things, like, about what this report could be one day. His health and stuff like that. And, um... So he, you know, he told me in the shower and I mean, he told me, I called me in the shower and, you know, I remember when I hung up, I was just bawling, crying, you know, because the reality set upon me quickly about what can be, you know, and as a child, I always had thoughts of my father dying while I was young, you know, had bad dreams of it. And, um, so I remember balling in the shower and uh, I remember going to work and I remember telling, uh, I used to work with my current fiance, but back then we were nothing, but we worked together and I remember telling her and, and, and couldn't even get the whole sentence out of my mouth and, you know, tears just started coming down my eyes, but you know, I wasn't crying like, <laughs> but I was like, I was trying to hold back from that, but I couldn't. You know, and they're just coming down, and she gave me a hug and shit like that. And then, um, you know, from there, he eventually he had surgery to try to take out the tumor off his liver. But all it did was speed the process of uh, his eventual um, passing. And so he spent like three months in the hospital, and I didn't visit him in the hospital as as much as I could because it was very hard on me to see my father like that but um people did people people visit him often and but i just reflecting on that now and how i became stronger psychologically i wish i did see him more in the hospital at that time but he spent about three months and our neighbor uni she helped us out a lot and my mom went to go visit him even though at this time they were divorced and stuff like that and other people uh and, you know, I went a couple times, but it was very hard. And um, he came home. We pretty much had, like, a yard sale, gave everything away, said his goodbyes to his friends in California. You know, not not really accepting death, you know, because even though the news was really bad, obviously, in, in, in hindsight, he was terminal. But my dad always tried to keep his spirits up and um, believe that he would be healed. And, um, we got rid of everything, pretty much giving people stuff, pieces of our lives for next to nothing, just to get rid of all the things. And we hopped on a plane with one of our dogs. His name was Smokey. You know, my dad liked his dog more. <laughs> Pinky, we left back to stay at my mom's house. Uh, and we, and we got on the plane and, and went to Florida, you know, and, and on the flight, you know, we took Smokey on there, but we didn't have his exact 
credentials we needed. We had certain ones, but we were missing something or something like that. And I remember when we got to uh, like Arizona, a layover, the lady was like tripping on us about our dog, you know, but they already let us on the first plane, you know, and then uh, the dog like tried to bite her or something like that. And then, you know, but then like we made a huff and puff, like, you know, about my dad being sick and he was in a wheelchair at this moment going to the airport and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I even mentioned a couple of Sioux words, you know, and then they end up just like, you know, all right, you know, it's okay. Just get your dog a little bag, carry him in and we'll give you guys a hotel for the night. Cause they kicked us up off the second plane, you know? So they got us a hotel for the night. Uh, we got the little carrier for the dog. I was with my aunt Gail who helped travel with me back to Florida. Cause my dad wanted to spend this portion, this last portion of his life with his, uh, family his brothers and sisters and his mom was out there and uh long story short uh yeah we went back to florida and it was very hard you know the ammonia buildup from my dad's liver surgery you know affected his cognitive functions and made him irritable and confused at time and he would have to get his stomach drained you know and we would always push for him to get his stomach drained you know me and my aunt because it would be very hard to difficult, very hard to deal with when he uh, had the ammonia buildup, ammonia buildup. But now when I reflect on it, you know, because he was really like, he didn't want to do it. He said it hurt so bad. And sometimes you come out crying and stuff like that from the situation. And, but looking back on it, you know, I, and before I thought I was like, that is what you got to do. You know, like thinking that this would prolong his life and give him better quality time. But, but now I'm like thinking like, okay, well, it was probably very painful for them to stick a needle in your stomach and, drain out ammonia fluid or whatever it is, you know, bile. Um, and then, you know, eventually, um, I come back to California for two weeks, which, you know, I'm not really proud of. Um, since there was only three months of time that we were out there, I come back to California for two weeks after being out there for about two, two months, you know, come back to California for two weeks. Uh, it was my birthday weekend. And uh, had to renew my license and, you know, went out a couple times, whatever. And then, you know, my aunt's calling me, telling me, you know, my dad's not doing so good, you know. So I had to ask a couple of my cousins to help put money together for me to fly back to Florida. Uh, my cousin Ronell and, um, and Yvette and uh, my mom helped put up the money. And then I flew back to Florida and they were telling me that my dad wasn't uh, coherent. You know, he wasn't conscious. He was, you know, sleeping for or being out unconscious for like the whole day. Right. And he's at the house like, you know, uh, and then hospice care came. You know, everybody knows hospice care means you're terminal and they just come to keep you comfortable. So they don't even know if he could win any time. Anyways, I get there and uh, right when I get there, my dad starts talking again and, you know, he's cognitive. And the next day he was super cognitive, like he was all there, like talking and and everything like it was crazy man it's crazy like full-on conversations and he sat up and i helped him walk from a to b and if he had to go to the bathroom or something like that i believe I, and i don't i don't think he got out of bed but he sat up a little bit and you know like put his legs down to the ground and uh and yeah so i got to have like a full day with my dad like cognitive like when i got back and the next day after that, um, he wasn't so much cognitive anymore. He kind of went back into like a, a, a catatonic state or a coma or something like that. And 
I would have to keep giving him morphine drips and stuff like that. And um, at first I was giving him water, but it came to a point where they told me not to give him no more water, like tabs, like stab his mouth with little Q-tip waters and stuff like that, they said. But they didn't want him to choke and be in more pain and stuff like that. Um, and I remember like going into the night that next day of him being cognitive in there. I remember all day he wasn't really there. Maybe a couple words or a couple moans and, and going into the night. Uh, I remember like, you know, when night hits, he was just, I don't know, when night hits different. But, um, you know, just praying and stuff like that. And I get a call from my mom. And she's like crying. I guess my dog Pinky had accidentally jumped off my balcony, my mom's balcony, and you know she had broken her back and broken her jaw. And uh, you know my mom was crying, you know, feeling bad, you know, that my dad's in the situation and that my dog just pretty much, you know, um, was gonna have to be put down or spent thousands of dollars on surgery. So, you know. I couldn't even shed a tear for my dog, honestly, because I was so focused on my dad. And, you know, I just told her, you know, just go ahead and put the dog down, you know. I understand. And, and you know, so that night, boom, I'm just praying. And, and you know, I go in the room and I try to talk to my dad. I'm, like, pretty much in my head thinking, like, I probably need to, like, say my last words to my father, you know. Like, maybe he can, he'll hear me. Maybe he'll respond. You know, I don't know because he really hadn't been there no more throughout the day. And long story short, I, you know, I tell him how much I love him and, and everything like that and and such. And uh, you know, I pretty much, you know, they told me not to really touch him, like not to hug him too much and stuff like that without gloves and stuff like that, because you know, of the. Hold on, my phone is ringing. One second, one second, guys. My apologies, I. Got interrupted there. But anyways, um, yeah, so they told me not to hug him because uh, his skin was tearing and stuff like that and bodily fluids were coming out, but, you know, like a little blood or something like that. Um, But, you know, it's, it's like his last day, so I gave him a hug and I remember he put his arms around me. You know, I mean, so weak, shaky. But I remember he put his arms around me, and, and, you know, I just told him I love him. And then he said, I love you too, son. And those were his uh, those were his last words to me. That was the last thing he ever said. And then the next day, he, you know, he was pretty much not there. Uh, and uh, passed away by nightfall the next night. And, um, all I could do was keep God first in my heart and my mind and understand that, you know, my dad was a devout Christian and in our beliefs that he has a new body. Now, the moment he passed away, he went to something better. And I just kept that in my head and, and kept thinking that and repeating that and, you know, weeping and crying and family coming over and eventually the coroners got there and confirmed it and took him away and uh, you know just trying to be thankful be thankful to, to God that I even got 22 years with my father understanding the blessing that is you know that he got to raise me to an adult and he did leave me as a young man but at least I became a man under his tutelage under his
security and guidance and um i couldn't have asked for a better father a better father so um the funeral arrangements and stuff like that that was very hard very hard to see him uh in the funeral home and in the with the embalming and the makeup and stuff like that and um having to pick certain things out and go through that whole process and speaking at his funeral and just crying and just trying to do my best to express myself to the to the to the to the people there and you know to god and to my dad and stuff like that and um you know a couple 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 weeks later and then i was back in california back in california and a couple weeks after that i was back to work and i remember just being at work uh when there'd be nowhere around just crying at my desk you know for years and eventually i got with my now fiance and um just expressing myself and my feelings to her with to her about my father and stuff like that and her helping me mend that wound and uh you know eventually i had kids for myself you know and now I only think about what if he was here and I miss him. But my son's so cute about it sometimes, man. Like, you know, he talks about Grandpa Troy and uh, knows who he is. Even at three years old, even before that, one, two. I've always talked to him, you know, about him, stuff like that. Keep his memory alive. Because at the end of the day, when we're gone, it's all we got is legacy. For our sons to tell our grandsons and grandsons to tell our great grandsons, you know, and I know a bit, a little bit about my great grandfather, you know, a little bit more about my grandfather and my dad. And now I tell my child about his grandfather. And if I can, I can tell him more about his great grandfather and his great great grandfather, you know. So this episode was dedicated to my father. It's his birthday today. He would have been 68. Extra Crispy Podcast. Episode 5, you guys have been riding with me. To anybody out there who's ever lost a parent, I pray for you. pray for your family. Um, that wound turns into a scar. But the only thing you do with that is hold on to those memories and learn from your experiences, good or bad. It's all in the development of wisdom. Give God all the appreciations and glory. Extra Crispy Podcast, Episode 5, My Crispy Critters. I love you guys. We out.